0: Hi, and welcome to the Itanium Solutions Alliance Innovation Contest Podcast Series. I'm your host, Brad Rederson of stranova.com, and throughout this series, we'll be talking with winners of the contest who demonstrated the most innovative uses of Itanium-based computing in each of three areas, humanitarian impact, enterprise business applications, and entrepreneurial innovation the winners were selected from many submissions representing diverse applications of mission critical and high-performance computing from around the world the university of california riverside's department of computer science and engineering is one of the leading edge computer science research organizations in the country and today's story about one of the most recent innovations there will definitely take that reputation to an even higher level under the direction of dr Walid Najjar of uc riverside A team of researchers had been investigating ways to harness the power of the most advanced of supercomputer technologies in a very new way, one in which it used that power to help accelerate certain highly demanding scientific programs, such as the Smith-Waterman algorithm, an intense code set used to measure the match between DNA or protein strings, and the Molecular Dynamics Code, NAMD, which helps model how molecules fold based on a detailed microanalysis of atomic forces. To do this, they made use of a new kind of Itanium 2 powered supercomputer, one which merges the most modern of scalable computing technologies with the ability to access powerful field programmable gate arrays or FPGAs built into the supercomputer architecture itself to allow the computer to execute multiple functions at once through an entirely new means. The end result Thanks to the application of this new technology and new software solutions was a performance speed increase of over 1000 times what previous desktop limited approaches had previously allowed it is this kind of performance as well as the creative brilliance behind it that Dr Najjar's team was named a finalist in 2007's Itanium Solutions Alliance Innovation Awards in the entrepreneurial innovation category to tell us more about this we have Dr Walid Najjar himself a principal investigator on the team that made this all possible at the University of California, Riverside. Waleed, thanks for speaking with us today. It's my pleasure. Well, first, I want to congratulate you and your team for being named a finalist in the 2007 Itanium Solutions Alliance Innovation Contest Awards in the Entrepreneurial Innovation category. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as a starting point, could you describe for our listeners a little bit about your organization's computing mission, what it is, and what challenges you were facing that caused you to start looking at the eventual system solution you selected.
1: UC Riverside is one of the UC campuses. It's a research university. It used to be the smallest of the UC campuses. Now Merced is the smallest. And the Computer Science and Engineering Department is one of the largest departments on campus, and it's been here for quite a while. It was the founding department in the College of Engineering. We have probably the largest PhD-granting program on campus, aside from the professional schools such as the MBA program and the Doctor of Education program. So this project that I'm talking about is a project where we are coming technology in the hardware to build what we call code accelerators for certain type of program applications and we had purchased the SGI machine through an NSF grant, and we've been porting this technology on the SGI, which has these FPGA chips that we've been using.
0: I know that part of what you were trying to look into was applying a new tool that you had for working with FPGAs, the the C to HDL, I guess what's now called the ROCCC tool, at least for short to take advantage of this in a supercomputing environment, as well as that you were using this for bioinformatics. Can you talk a little bit about those applications, those needs, and what you were trying to do?
1: These chips that are called FPGAs, which stands for field programmable gate arrays, are chips that contain basically raw logic. This raw logic can be structured with specialized languages called hardware description languages. These specialized languages are what engineers use to build circuits. They are fairly low-level language and they could be quite tedious to use. What we want to do is to translate some pieces of programs that are executed very, very often, billions of times, into circuits so that they would run much faster and the data is streamed through those circuits. However. Doing that by hand could be quite onerous and tedious. So what we developed, ROC, which stands for Riverside Optimizing Compiler for Configurable Computing, a lot of acronyms, is a tool that translates pieces of programs written in C down into these circuits. So these can be used for supercomputer computer applications and this is why the SGI machine is an ideal platform because it is by itself a supercomputer and has support for FPGAs. So we ported this ROC tool on the SGI machine, and one or two of the applications that we're looking at extensively, and one is bioinformatics application, which is DNA and RNA and protein string matching And the other one is computational biology, which essentially is molecular dynamics.
0: And the life science applications are a focus of UC Riverside as part of its computational work?
1: Yes, there is a very important program at UC Riverside Genomics Institute that does research in a very wide variety of areas in genomics and including bioinformatics. And so there are several of my colleagues here in computer science who are
0: uh, part of that institute. Let me back up to a little bit on a description of the final system configuration. You've mentioned that you had an SGI system that you ended up with. Could you just describe a little bit more about what that solution was?
1: Well, the SGI machine is uh, an Artec 4700. It consists of 64 Itanium processors and 128 gigabytes of memory. And we have, in addition to that, a RASC RC100 blade, which consists of two FPGAs, which are Xilinx Vertex LX 200 which are fairly large, among the largest FPGAs that you can get today. Some of the results that we're getting on these two life sciences applications are a speed comparable to traditional computing that has ranged from the thousand to the tenths of thousand. So, whereas people normally look at the speed-up of 5, 10, 20, 30, you know, we're looking at speed-up in the number of zeros. (laughs) So, of course, this is still very preliminary, and, you know, it's going to take a lot more work to get uh, all of these put together in a very meaningful way. However, it's very promising. I think it's ushering a new era in supercomputing application.
0: One of the more specific question to ask is how the itanium 2 processor itself as well as the nature of the supercomputer architecture in the ALTIC system that you selected how did both of those really play together in dealing with the original goals you'd set for yourself in solving these problems what do you think uniquely made those able to solve what you're trying to achieve? In
1: essence what we are happy with is that there is a machine like the four 4700 that is a supercomputer and supports FPGAs. And our experience has shown that the Itanium is an excellent processor. I was amazed at the performance we can achieve even though its frequency of execution is only 1.6 gigahertz. The parallelism in there is is excellent, uh, tremendously, especially if the right compiler, which is ICC, the Intel, Intel C compiler, is used. Some people in industrial setting had told me, Yes, that's nice, you're gonna get the Optics but it's gonna take you months to port your tool to the Optics and instead of months it took us a couple of weeks and actually between one and two weeks and I think that is to the credit of the designers. If I had to dream the right set of tools that they provided, that was exactly what I would have asked for. And so it was really a very easy transition for us.
0: Well, you talked a little bit just a little while ago about the ushering in a new generation of computing. Can you talk a little bit about how the system's already being put to use as well as what you think may become possible as a result of putting this all together?
1: We have provided accounts to a variety of people in the College of Engineering and on campus outside the college. And so a lot of people are using it. I would say that our system is a small supercomputer. It doesn't take much to fill it up, It's only 64 processors. However, we view it as the first step a progression that would include an increase in size of this machine as well as other machines of similar or different nature. We haven't been putting the FPGA into production use yet on the system. We're still in the development phase in fine-tuning these applications. But I view the role of FPGAs as possibly ushering what I would call desk side supercomputing, in which you can have a small box in the office or in the lab that would achieve the performance in a small box of several hundred regular processes put together because of the use of FPGAs.
0: When do you expect this to be more readily available for general use based on your own projection?
1: What is happening right now is that the potentials of FPGAs for supercomputing is being realized and recognized in a wider and wider circle of people. It used to be a very small community of people who said, well, wow, there could be something really potentially powerful here, but, you know, there's only a handful of people who, were aware of that, and now we see a lot of the big companies getting interested, the IBM, Sun, and various companies like that, that are becoming more aware of this potential and thinking of ways to leverage that. And I think, you know, like many things in high tech, it's very difficult to predict when and where and what direction it will take. It's everything is synergistic reaction between what the market is requiring and what the technology is providing and bang, you have an out-of-the-blues event that changes the way things are going.
0: Well, in line with those synergistic things that we just talked about, if some of those listeners out there perhaps are looking at an application or perhaps being able to f- continue to fund more of the research that your group is doing, how might they get a hold of you, either from a website address or perhaps an email address where they could contact you?
1: The email is the best way. It's najjar, my last name, N-A-J-J-A-R, at cs.ucr.edu. We have a webpage for the project, ROCCC. It's also on the UCR website and we will be soon distributing rock in open source for nonprofit use, for non-commercial use, under a license from the University of California Riverside.
0: Dr. Najjar, I appreciate your time very, very much, and look forward to sharing this with the community of the world that will be listening to it. And good luck in your future ventures using this system and more. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thanks again for joining us for today's interview. If you'd like more information on the podcast you just heard, as well as others in this series, please visit us at www.itaniumsolutionsalliance.org.